When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is an important video, perhaps one of the most important videos that I've made to date. And before I get into the main topic of this, and and what does this chart mean? What does all the charts that I have for you in this video mean? And why did I put silver and gold in the title? How does that play into this whole conversation, this whole talk about a coming pension crisis? Before I get to all that, I have a favor to ask of you. I want this message to be heard by as many people as possible. This is a message that every American needs to hear. And so that's where you come into play. I would ask that you share this with as many people as possible. Share it on your Twitter. Share it on your Facebook. If you have a YouTube channel, share it. Wherever you can, email it to people. If, if you're married, have your spouse watch it if they'd be interested in it. If you have a, a brother, a sister, that is depending on a pension in the future. If you have a father, a mother, children that are banking on pensions being their sole source of income for retirement, share this video with them, please. This is important stuff. Not even just because of the silver and gold aspect of it, because the fact of the matter is that there are millions of Americans that have pension plans. And many of them are going to depend solely on pensions for retirement, right? They might have some savings. They might have a small stock portfolio. But the investment strategy of somebody that has a pension, I would imagine, is vastly different from somebody that does not and is storing money in a 401k, an IRA, whatever else. And that's a topic for a whole other video. Those are hardly dependable sources of income or savings for retirement. But many people that have pension funds are banking on the fact that a city, a county, a state, or in some cases, the federal government, that's mostly what I'm talking about, public pensions here, not so much private pensions, that that entity will support them until, well, the, the end of their life and, and potentially support their, their spouse or their family until the end of their life. Well, what I'm sharing in this video today is that making that assumption is dangerous, right? It is a dangerous assumption and, well, the fact of the matter is that in, if you look at the mathematics of the situation, that pension is most likely not going to be there, right? If you're 40 years old right now and, and you're planning on retiring and collecting your pension at 50, at 55, at 60, that's 10, 15, 20 years in the future. Many of these pension plans that I'll be going over today on their current path will not be funded there at that point. And there is no magic fairy that can fix these numbers that I'll be talking about. There's no magical um, bull market in stocks or, or anything that can fix this problem, okay, in pensions. And, and, and I'll get to the, to the possible outcomes here in a second. But first of all, I want to explain to you the state of pub- public pension funds in the United States right now. That's what I want to talk about. I could talk for five, 10 minutes or even longer about why they're in their current state. But basically, the gist of it is that 
They overinvested in stocks. Stocks crashed in 2008. They overpromised and continue to overpromise um, and, and, and basically uh, uh, promise larger and larger pension payouts in the future to current and future uh, employees. Oftentimes, they'll do this in exchange for, for not raising their salaries as much or, or having them take a pay cut, maybe in some examples, especially when, when a lot of these cities, states, etc., um, had a funding crunch, funding crunch back in, you know, Great Recession era, uh, maybe 10 years ago, eight years ago. Um, and, and also, they're depending on a very high rate of return, in some cases, 7 to 8% a year. And they're just not meeting those numbers. They just aren't. Um, it's that, that idea of being able to get a 7 to 8% return was based on a bygone era when, when uh, the, the yield on, on, on treasury bonds was at you know, 4 or 5% or whatever, or upwards of that. Today, it's, you know, you're lucky, lucky to get around 3% on a lot of these, 3.5% on a lot of those types of long-term investments. That's why they're in the state that they are today. And this is just one example, this chart that you've been looking at here. This is uh, from Wirepoint. A lot of these are from Wirepoint or Pew Research or a couple other sources that, that I'll be going over here today, Reuters as well. This is um, the growth in promised state pension benefits for the state of Illinois compared to the growth of a whole bunch of other metrics within their state. Personal income has risen by about 200, 225% since 1988. General revenues for the state, slightly under 200%. And, and everything else on this chart is, is a, you know, around 150 or lower. Pension membership even has only risen by about 50, 60% since 1988 in the state of Illinois. However, obviously you guys can say the huge outlier in this chart, the promised state pension benefits for the state of Illinois. Over a thousand percent growth in, since 1988. Simply promising them, the, these future people that will be collecting on pensions, promising them, well, way too much. Kicking the can down the road. Let's pay them less now and pay them more in the future. Or, if you want to put it a different way, um, in some cases, paying certain employees, city employees, state employees, in this case it's state, paying them more um, for for more corrupt reasons, because because you know them personally, or because you're looking out for them in the future. Well, the truth of the matter is that this huge growth right here is going to fall on the shoulders of every Illinois citizen, and and ultimately when this whole thing blows up in, in states like Illinois, Kentucky, uh, California, New Jersey, it's going to fall on the shoulders of of every American. I want to put this in another context. This is through 2016, and this has certainly only gotten worse so far. Um, This is the deficit in pension plans. You can see a huge acceleration right around here in the Great Recession, and it hasn't gotten any better. Despite this myth of a major economic recovery, pension funds have continued to suffer. Currently, the deficit as of 2016, I believe this is 2015, 2016, stands at just shy of $1.4 trillion. Now, in reality, many people have placed it much closer to $4 or $5 trillion unfunded. And as I'll explain later in this video, that could get much, much worse. You see a trend here, though. This hasn't gotten any better. This is another great chart to, to kind of mirror this. The blue line here is GDP, GDP growth in these states since 2003. The red line is pension liabilities, accrued pension liabilities growth since 2003. 
I'm not, I don't even need to explain this to you guys. Look at this. Um, pure and simple. It has outpaced GDP growth, right? And this just does not work. I mean, how, how are pensions paid for at the state level, at the city, at the, at the, at the, the county level? They're paid for well, by taxes, right? By income, right? These are our city, their state workers, public workers, and they're being paid for through taxes. Well, you know, maybe in each of these individual states, there, there were small tax cuts or tax hikes along the way with this 50, 40, whatever percent, 60% GDP growth. But as a whole, you can see taxes, roughly tax revenue, roughly fall in line with this, right? I think they even had it on this chart. Maybe not. Um, well, yeah, they have incomes on this chart, state personal incomes, right? Um, and, and state general revenue. Those two things generally move in line with each other because you're taxing income. You're taxing uh, personal income, corporate income, etc. Same thing goes for GDP. You'd expect tax, rev- tax revenue to roughly fall in line with this. Well, if, if you want to remain solvent as a state, as a city, as a county, well, your, your, your liabilities have to remain in line with that as well. Again, kicking the can down the road. Look at this right here for New Jersey, right? You can clearly see the same goes for Kentucky. Right around the Great Recession, post-Great Recession, this huge blowout in increased um, liabilities. It wasn't necessarily, uh, th- this would have been what, 2010, 2011, 2012, so maybe a little bit after the recession. It wasn't necessarily that they're just not taking in as much money. It's just that, well, they're paying out a lot more. You know, this is this is why you see, um, you know, in, in New York or, or California or whatever, these these former public workers and maybe they, they did a good service to their state, their city for for years. Um, people like uh, sanitary workers, right? Um, uh, sanitation workers, I should say, uh, you know, maybe early on garbage men and, and later on moving up the the the, the ranks or, um, you know, I saw a story of uh, lifeguards in, in California, you know, raking in these enormous six-figure pension plans. That's that's not sustainable, right? You're promising them more and more, kicking the can down the road. Well, eventually, people will have to pay up. This is a great another uh, example of this. What you have here is, in the red, accrued liabilities. Basically, how much have pension liabilities increased since 2003 to, through 2006? The blue lines here are GDP. And, and in this, you, you see well a very clear trend here right? Here's the U.S. total right here, um, almost doubling the total GDP growth, the accrued liabilities. But in almost every single state, you see a a clear trend here that they are promising more and more, even though their economy is just not keeping up with that. Their tax revenue is just not keeping up with how much they're promising. You see a couple outliers here, uh, North Dakota. I'm sure a lot of that has to do with with their um, oil boom. You know, you see, uh, let's see here, Texas has kind of kept pace. Um, Oregon, Oklahoma, a couple of states, you know, that are outliers. But as a whole, this is this is wrong. This is not sustainable. Now, to put this in numbers, well, we've been looking at numbers, but but to put this again in kind of a a, a countrywide perspective here. This is a graphics from Reuters. These were all from, uh, let's see here, Wirepoints, Pew Research Center, um, a lot of that's, and, and various other sources that you can see in the slides here, Illinois Department of Insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this is the funding levels of public pensions. We're disregarding federal pensions, by the way, for the most part in this video. For, for a variety of reasons that I can get into later in this video. But at the state and the county level, back in 2006, 
city and city and county, 93% funded, state 85% funded. Not perfect, right? You had people talking about an impending pension crisis sooner or later. And and when people make these types of predictions, you know, people talk about a stock market crash. And if they're not right within a couple of years or or, or just totally off base, you know, eventually people just be like, well, you're, you know, you're the, the, the boy that cried wolf, you know, if you can keep talking about a, a, a stock market crash and, and predicting it down to the month or the date, eventually people are going to say you're, you're, you're wrong. But for, for pension plans, making these types of predictions, whether I'm right in 2019, 2020 or 2025, does it matter? Does it really matter if it's five years or 10 years from now? Because pension plans, these are things that people are planning on collecting on 20 years from now, 10 years from now, or they're already collecting and plan on collecting another 10 years, another 20 years. So this is extremely relevant now because what we're talking about retirement and retirement can can be um, you know, 40 years into your future. You can be 40 years old right now and you might be planning to live to 80, right? We're talking about through the year 2058, where you have to be planning here, okay? Um, getting back to this chart right here. Again, a clear trend here. Less and less funded. A slight recovery here, maybe post-recession. Um, and I'll get into that a bit here. But but again, where we're at in 2016, and this isn't even up to date, up to date I'm sure if we had it through 2017, 2018, um, this would be much, much lower. The state level, 68%. City and county, 72%. What that means is eventually they're going to run out of money. The case in New Jersey, you know, I saw a figure something like 12 years. You know, that that's a rough estimate. Is it 10 years, 8 years, 15 years? Again, it's going to happen eventually. This is mathematics, people, okay? But this gets even worse, okay? Because how does a pension work? Basically what happens is, you know, you could think of it as, as in some cases an employee maybe not getting paid quite as much, or maybe foregoing some other type of retirement plan, whether it's um, employee employers contributing to a 401k or some other investment fund or or them just you know getting a smaller salary, whatever. And in return, they're being promised a, a pension, a retirement, basically, a payout from the state in the future. Okay? Now, in the meantime, those funds are invested. I already talked about a uh, planned return from from pensions, you know, being seven, six, you know, roughly six to eight percent. You know, a lot of it's around seven percent. They're expecting that return on their investment each year. Okay, so what that means is that all that money is invested. Now, in the past, a lot of it was invested into bonds. In the past, bonds had a much higher yield. I'm talking, I don't know, ten percent. You know, eight percent. 6%, 5%, even 4% would be better than what we're at right now. The U.S. 10-year has a yield of right around 3%. I think it's just shy of 3% right now. And, and you know, that's that's high. I mean, a, a year ago, it was, um, you know, around 2% or 2.5%. So so it's still very low. And they're not going to be able to meet their, their planned uh, rate of growth but just buying bonds, right? They're, they're going to be short, falling short big time. And so what they need to do is buy other assets that potentially have a better rate of return. So what I want to show you here is a Excel chart. I know it's not pretty, okay? But I want to focus your eyes right here. Equities, right? That's fancy talk for things like stock or, or ownership of a company. A lot of it's stocks. And, you know, these can be foreign stocks. They can be domestic stocks or some other more... Um, maybe nuanced ways that they can get exposure to equities. But basically, this is a percentage of the funds that are invested in equities. 
Okay, so 62% for, for Alabama, right? And this is all, you know, California, that's a big one. A massive pension fund. Look at this, 300, over 300 uh, billion. This is as of 2014, 2015. So a lot of this has changed. These investments may have gone up a bit. Um, in some cases, they've increased their exposure to equities. But over 50% for CalPERS has has gone into equities, right? We can go down here to some, some of the other... Um, you know, large ones on this chart. Um, you have Florida at 60% Florida retirement system. You have uh, Massachusetts pension reserves investment management bond uh, board, uh, 43% in there. Minnesota, that's that's where I'm from. Um, I know I know family members, people that um, have uh, you know they're planning on PERA para for their pension for their retirement. Uh, 61% invested in equities. Okay keep going down this list. And, and again, some of these are just huge funds in the hundreds of billions. New York State teachers retirement, 59%. New York State and local retirement systems, 53%, right? Um, let's see, what else do we have here? Oregon, employees retirement system, 41%. Uh, let's see, Texas teacher retirement system, teacher retirement system of Texas, 49%. And it goes on and on and on right? Some of them are going to be below 40%. Some of them are going to be above 60%, but as a whole, around 50%, right? Give or take. doesn't matter. We'll use 50% for an easy number. Look at that. Georgia Teachers Retirement System, 73%. We'll use 50% as an easy term here, all right? Going back to these charts. Let's say you have a state that, I don't know, has $100 billion in their pension fund. And let's say this state has been very responsible about it. And they're, they're not un, underfunded at all. Let's say they're at 100% funding, okay? They've promised 100. They have 100 in their account right now, okay? And they're 50% invested in equities. What happens if equities as a whole, whether this is foreign stocks, domestic stocks, what if the stock market crashes? by 10%. Well, their 50%, 50% of their investments are in equities. Um, you know, to simplify the math, that's a 5% drop in their, their total portfolio. They're now underfunded by $5 billion. Okay. What happens if the stock market drops by 20%? Well, now they're underfunded by $10 billion. What if it happens drops by, by 30%, 40%, which would not be unheard of, 40% drop in the stock market. They're now underfunded by $20 billion, underfunded by 20%. They're only meeting 80% of their future liabilities. That's, that's scary, okay? And especially when you take into consideration that a lot of these, these um, uh, current uh, pension funds are not at 100% at all right? You, you can see this right here. States are at 68%, right? What if you have a state that's at 50% funding, right? Just not doing well at all. They have 50% exposure to, to equities. Um, all of a sudden, equities drop by, by 30%. Um, their entire portfolio has dropped by 15%. And they have to continue paying out their current pensions. Their whole investment uh, fund is growing smaller and smaller. So they're going to have an even less ability to, to potentially benefit from if, you know, stocks recovered from, from dropping 20, 30, 40%. Okay. Even if that doesn't happen, you already have predictions of, of some pension funds collapsing in the next five years, 10 years, 15 years. Um, 
for those that are collapsing in five years, if stocks drop by 30% this fall, 40% this fall, it, it wouldn't be unheard of. It's happened in the past. Well, they might be underfunded or, or they might be bankrupt, insolvent in, I don't know, two years, right? Three years, right? If, it, if it's 10 years out, maybe they're going to be bankrupt in five years. That's, that's a scary thought. If you are planning for retirement, you've banked on this and you have not put money away elsewhere. This has got to be a scary thought for you. Now, what's the other option? I, I talked about earlier, there's a couple different paths that this can take. Well, that's true. There's, there's three different options that are on the table right now to, to fix this pension problem. Because again, as I said earlier, there's not going to be some magic fairy that solves this problem without other major repercussions. Either A, states increase revenue. They raise taxes through a variety of means. They bring in more money. Sure, they can fund pensions for a little bit longer. Maybe they raise taxes a ton and they can fund pensions fully. Um, but but the problem with that is that you're going to have a lot of people very upset over raised taxes. People do not like having taxes taxes raised on them, especially when it's paying for somebody's retirement that um, is is well, a lot in the first place, right? Promising a huge retirement package for some of these people. But, you know, that's one possible outcome. But of course, the the side effect of raised taxes is weakened economic growth. Stocks could drop further because of that, et cetera, et cetera. It, it could be a, a, a downward spiral. It's, there, it's certainly not a good outcome, right? To raise um, taxes by, by 5%, 10% or, or somehow come up with that money. The other option for states, counties, cities is to cut pension benefits. Again, very unpopular. They're making promises. Even if they are over-promising, they're making promises. And now they're going back on those promises, right? Let's pay them maybe 90%, 80%, 50% of what we originally promised. All of a sudden, people are planning on retirement on their, retiring on their pension at a certain um, standard of living in a certain house, certain area, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they're going to have to move. They're going to have to sell their house. And their their yearly or 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 twice yearly vacations to to uh, Arizona or Florida or Hawaii or Mexico, man, maybe every every other year, every third year, right? Um, and that's that's best case scenario, right? Again, extremely unpopular because they made promises and they're going back on those promises. The third option, what I think eventually might happen, is a bailout. A bailout by who? Well, the federal government. Right? This is a massive underfunding. I said earlier, you know, upwards of four or five trillion. This could get much, much worse as stocks drop. This could approach, you know, six, seven, eight, ten trillion. I don't know. I don't know the exact size of all these pension funds, but even five trillion, if we go off that number, five trillion dollars underfunded. And the government has to bail them out? Sure, they could do it. Right, they could assume all that debt, an additional five trillion dollars in debt, raising their debt by, well, you know, another twenty-five uh, percent or whatever. It's right now uh, over twenty-one trillion. Sure, they could do that, um, but well, let's get into some of the economics of that. They could do that. People get pay, get paid their pensions, um, but the problem with that is that that debt has to be funded somehow. There's two ways that there's two ways that this happens. Okay, two ways that this goes down. If the U.S. government takes on an additional five trillion dollars worth of debt, or four or three, it doesn't matter, and issues those in bonds, a huge amount of bonds coming onto the market. The bond market is a supply and demand market. The supply goes up, 
demand doesn't increase, well, prices go down, yields rise, right? And well, maybe that would solve some of the pension problems because they should buy all these bonds. And and that's not a good solution either. Um, But that's going to crush any any hopes of economic growth in the future, right? Because uh, decreasing, um, well, yeah, increasing uh, yields, increasing interest rates are going to crush the economy. We just cannot handle those types of interest rates. Plus, the the U.S. government can't, right? A 5% yield, a 6% yield on, on on their bonds, they can't handle that because their debt is so high. Right now, the other option is that somebody buys those bonds, i.e., the Federal Reserve. Right, they start quantitative easing, a huge amount of quantitative easing. Um, you know, three, four, five trillion dollars worth of bonds being bought up by the Federal Reserve. Where does the Federal Reserve get that money? They print it. Right, not not literally. It's it's a digital thing. They 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 press a button and the money's there, more or less. Maybe a little more complicated. I haven't. I don't have any experience with the Federal Reserve. Um, their their computer system, but basically they're pushing money, pushing button, and the money is created, right? That's inflation. You're inflating the monetary supply by trillions of dollars, right? And so now you have people that are all happy because they're collecting their pensions, but guess what? Inflation's at ten percent. Inflation's at fifteen percent, twenty percent, right? Those are just numbers I'm throwing out there, but it's a possibility. And all of a sudden. They're getting paid their pensions, but their pensions just aren't worth as much. Maybe they were promised $100,000 a year. Well, now that has the purchasing power of $90,000 a year, right? And five years from now, that's going to have the purchasing power of $50,000 a year, right? 20 years from now, that's going to have the purchasing power of like $10,000 a year. It just doesn't, it's just not that big of a deal anymore, right? They realize pretty quickly that they're going to have to find some other way to pay for their retirement. That's the three ways that this thing is either heading. You either increase revenue, you cut benefits, or there's a massive bailout with massive inflation. That's, That's the three possibilities. Now, where does silver and gold come into this equation? Well, to be quite honest, start planning uh, start making a plan B for retirement, right? If you're dependent on a pension, if you know people that are, et cetera, make a plan B. And I, I don't know what this is going to be for you. This could be your own stock investment portfolio. This could be saving in cash. It could be a variety of different ways that you can save. But I'll be honest with you. I think that right now, silver and gold present one of the best values saving for retirement. They're an excellent asset, I think, to hold long-term because they keep pace with inflation, more or less. On a yearly basis, five-year basis, maybe not, but over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, sure, they're going to keep pace with inflation. And right now, they're really inexpensive. They are. And, well... A lot of other investments are not inexpensive. Stocks, incredibly overvalued right now. Bonds, real estate. A lot of those things are in a bubble, right? And so I don't know what this is going to mean for you. Maybe you're only going to listen to this partly. Or maybe you're going to take it to heart and you're going to realize, well, you know, there's only so much I can stock away in, in an alternative investment other than my pension. So maybe this is five grand a year, 10 grand a year. Maybe you're going to diversify some of this. But but start considering it, Right? Would buying 10 ounces of silver a month, right? A couple ounces of gold a year. Um, would that affect your, your current uh, balance sheet a whole lot? 
Maybe. Maybe you're going to have to make some sacrifices. But again, what's the alternative? To go into retirement and plan for retirement being paid for solely by the government, by a city, a state, um, by a county, it's not a good plan. Because long term, either A, you're not going to receive that, or B, there's going to be a lot of inflation, or C, states are going to hike taxes, and, and that's just, people are going to be extremely unhappy with that in the first place. Really, I mean, those, those are your options. Um, and, and so you have to start preparing for that. And again, as I said earlier, how I believe that there's eventually going to be a bailout. Um, like I said, a lot of inflation will come with that bailout. And hey, guess what assets perform extremely well in an inflationary environment? Silver and gold. Inflation is great for silver and gold because they're going to hold their value. In some cases, if the inflation is bad enough, um, they can outpace inflation in value, right? Inflation is 10%, 20%. They might rise by 30% because people are expecting more and more inflation. That's what that's what we saw in places like Germany back in the 1920s and when, when they underwent a, a hyperinflationary period, right? Um, they're, they're a great investment long-term. I'm not saying, you know, some people are, yeah, on board with putting 100% of their retirement into silver and gold. I'm not saying that you necessarily have to go that far, but start preparing, right? This pension crisis, you, you can you can close your eyes to it, you can plug your ears, you can pretend that, that you didn't watch this video. That doesn't change reality. That doesn't change the mathematics of the situation. Um, it's an eventuality. It doesn't matter if it's five years, 10 years, 20 years from now. Um, that's, well, that's a lot of your people, that's a lot of your uh, the individual watching this video, that's how far you are from retirement. And you're already planning on this this pension still being there 20 years from now. Well, it just might not be. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this video down below in the comment section. As always, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video. God bless. And please share this video with as many people as possible. Thank you.